Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. Oh boy, you guys. Do I have a topic for you today. How are you today? I'm doing good. Feeling good. I am just really excited about this topic. So, one of my clients came to me with a particular issue and it's called the Disneyland Dad. I know that we have all heard of it, right? It's that same story. Your kids are over at the ex's house, and it doesn't mean it's Disneyland Dad. That term can be loosely, you know, given to either gender. But they come back. They are tired because there's been no rules, no curfew. They show you the latest gadget, the latest electronic device that Dad gave them, maybe the spending money, (laughs) they brag about the ice cream and the goodies and the junk and all the fun things they did at dad's house, right? And you're thinking, oh my gosh, why can't I be the fun parent? Why do they always get to do all the fun stuff? And I'm left with the discipline. I'm left with all that stuff. So we're going to talk about that today. So this term is thrown around quite a bit. I've even heard the term Disneyland mom. (laughs) So it's everywhere. And it's even recognized as a definition in some um, legal sites. So according to U.S. legal, here's the definition, folks. A non-custodial parent who indulges his or her child with gifts and good times during visitation and leaves most or all disciplinary responsibilities to the other parent. Now, I wouldn't say that that has to be the exact definition, but I think that's a pretty close one. But I've seen it when it's not a non-custodial parent. I've seen the custodial parent do it. I've seen people who are married, you know, that maybe the husband spoils the kids because he's gone a lot or whatever. (laughs) There's grandparents who are Disneyland grandparents. There's aunts and uncles who are Disneyland (laughs) aunts, you know, the auntie that comes and spoils the kids. And all those things. So we have them everywhere. Even if we aren't divorced, there are those issues with when one parent or grandparent or whatever is spoiling the kids rotten and you feel like you're on that other side. So why do they do it? So I list a little bit. (laughs) I live with kind of a Disneyland dad. If you knew my husband... He fits that mold in some extents, but not to the extreme. He still disciplines. We share the same values of what we want to teach our kids, the same rules. But he does have different rules as far as giving them toys, taking them to Disneyland. (laughs) He loves Disneyland, so he kind of is the Disneyland dad. But it's interesting to have that in a marriage versus... I've never had to deal with that with my ex-husband. He is not the Disneyland dad. And even when, at one point, he lived in Hawaii and I lived in Arizona. Well, it is Hawaii, so I guess that's kind of Disneyland dad, but that's where he lived. But he wouldn't overextend or he had rules and he never was a Disneyland dad. So I can only say that I know from experience according to those that I coach according to my own husband, who's kind of a Disneyland dad. So I'll share some experiences there. 
But um, the why, I mentioned that sometimes when fathers are absent a lot, or moms, you know, the non-custodial parent, or the parent in my situation, or the grandparent or auntie, they feel like because they've been gone, they want to shower them with gifts. They want to kind of compensate for the time. There is also a feeling of guilt when an ex maybe has done something that was the major cause of the divorce and he's guilty and he knows the kids know it. So he wants to compensate. There's a manipulative version, I believe, where the ex still holds grudges towards the other parent and so kind of wants to stick it to him a little bit. So we have to watch out for that. And then there's even a more vindictive type. Um, I deal with a lot of clients who were married to narcissists, to put it bluntly. But they do it. And, and they do it in account of trying to manipulate, trying to steer the other parent towards uh, some sort of control. So we have to be careful. And when I give you the strategies of how to combat this, some of them are going to work and some of them aren't going to work. And I'll get into that, but I want to be super honest with it because there are different reasons why the Disneyland dad is the way he or she is. Let's go into um, some strategies. All right. So number one, communicate. Isn't that like the step one? If you have a spouse or an ex-spouse or whoever is the Disneyland person here that is somewhat reasonable, is not the narcissistic type, you know, is not doing this to manipulate you, then you can have a conversation about it. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is when I first thought of the strategy, I immediately wrote down, plan on this failing. <laughs> because people are pretty set in their ways, aren't they? And you guys know that I love Gary Vaynerchuk, and he was talking about the, the other day in business and how he does business executing. The reason he's been able to grow these fast-growing businesses is because he just makes decisions and goes with it. And he even said he plans on them failing. He doesn't care. And when they don't fail, he's like, they're just like happy blessings everywhere. And so... He just goes for it. And that's what we need to do. So number one, just communicate it. Just go. A lot of times you feel better just to get it off your chest. And of course, this works better with grandparents or the aunties or the, this current spouse where you can work. The cooperative co-parents, when we can explain to them, hey, you know, I'm feeling like if you look at this from the children's perspective, you might want to consider that it's confusing to them, you know, to have such different lifestyles at different homes. Or what what are the consequences of spoiling the kids? You know, what are the lessons that they're learning? What are they equating to love? How are they going to show love in the future? Are they going to try to pay people off for love? You know, are they gifts and all these things? So communication can work if it's done in a loving way. I talk about my positive communication sandwich, where you lay on all the positive things that they are doing. You start with that. The kids had an awesome time this weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you for getting them where they need to be. And then in the middle, you know, the meat part, because that's the bread. The meat part is, hey, you know, they talk, 
told me that you gave them a new puppy and a new iPad. And you, you know, you let them eat all this junk. You know, she said, I'm just a little bit worried and I don't want to criticize or anything, but what lessons that's showing them and how different it is at the houses. You know, if we can try to align the rules, maybe start with one thing. Maybe I think that could really help, but that's just my opinion. You do what you want to do. And then you lay on the last positive piece of bread layer by saying again, thank you so much. I appreciate you loving these kids and doing um, your best with them, you know, or whatever. So that's number one, communicate. And I love that I say, plan on this failing. <laughs> Just, and if it works, look at it as a happy blessing. You know what I mean? You always start with a communication. But if you know that uh, the person <laughs> that you're communicating with, that's just not going to work, then move on to number two. So my number two is his rules are not your rules. Okay? This is going into the serenity prayer, people. Wait. It's not the serenity prayer. <laughs> Serenity prayer. I was thinking of Seinfeld and how Kramer says, serenity now, serenity now, serenity now. But I was thinking of the AA prayer, right? The AA prayer is, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So we have our rules. They have their rules. What does this mean on the broader scope? Okay, everyone has rules about how they live. So how you grew up, all those things, how you were conditioned, they all contribute to your set of rules. Some people have really strict rules they live by. They get up in the morning, they have their little routine, they have to, <laughs> you know, do this step, do this step, they go and exercise, they come back, they eat the same breakfast every day. They, you know what I'm saying? And, and some people don't have many rules. And <laughs> they grew up with no rules. They cater their lives according to the whims of the wind, you know, and those go into the rules that you have at your different houses for your children. And it's actually none of your business what he or she thinks, what he or she does. Now you're saying it is my business because we share kids. Well, there's certain things, of course, but we spend way too much time dwelling on those things. You are going to allow them to be that way and you're going to let it go. So you have your own rules at your own house and the clearer you are about those rules, the clearer your kids will know about them, the easier the transition will be for them even if they have like the craziest Disneyland dad experience when they get back to mom's or vice versa, they know what those rules are, and it can make you feel so much better. So, you know, bedtimes, homework, toys, screen time, respect, all those type of things you can come up with. You can have your own family meeting, and you do this completely irrespective of what the other parent does. We need to get out of our minds what the other parent does, why, stop dwelling, and just let it go, and have our own rules and trust that what we are doing is going to be enough because it is. Okay, so number two, his rules are not your rules, have your own rules. <laughs> and so this leads to my number three, very similar. But what values do you want to teach your children? So let's take the co parent, the ex, out of it. 
we want to see what values do you want to teach your children? Get out a piece of paper and write them. Do you want to teach them the value of hard work, of integrity, of honesty, of discipline, of determination, of resilience? You know, what are these values? And then from that, you can go back to the number two and set those rules. But I want this to be solely you. Many non-Disneyland parents, such as myself, <laughs> have think, well, because he does this, I'm going to have to do this. You know, why don't I get to be the fun one? Because he's brought all these toys in here, I am going to have to do something about their toys. Or because he let them have all the screen time, now I'm going to have to overcompensate and not let them have any. No, I want you to be very, very careful because this can fuel the vindictive type of Disneyland dad. This can really give them satisfaction, quite honestly, to the narcissistic type. So be careful in equating their decisions with yours and what you have to do. We need to make a list of values that we want to teach our kids regardless. So start with that. Start with, this is what I want to teach them, period. Then this can lead you to an even more opportunistic approach, such as even a positive thing where <laughs> you can even say, good, I'm glad that he did this and gave this and this to you and you had this much fun or whatever. It, this gives me an opportunity Okay, so this is the opportunistic approach. This will give me an opportunity to teach my value to you. So let's say you want to teach your child the importance of paying tithing. In the Church of Jesus Christ, we are taught to pay one-tenth of our earnings. And I know in many, many, many <laughs> other churches, there's the collection plate, there's donations, there's tithing. And so whatever you want to teach your child, you can look at it as an opportunity. Okay, you made how much money? Oh, cool. Let's get out your list, you know, let's write down how much you make. You get an opportunity to pay your tithing. Or, oh, you have three extra stuffed animals. Cool. Um, I want to really teach you that when we get something new in our house, it's replaced. It needs to fit in there, so to speak. So we're going to donate to a shelter three of your old stuffed animals. This gives me an opportunity to teach. So you see what I'm saying here? Instead of looking at it like, well, he did this. I'm going to have to do that. I still don't want you to do that. But it can be an opportunity if you can get your mind to that point. So the first place I want your mind to go is it doesn't matter what they do. Let it be. You know, do the AA prayer. You don't have control. That's fine. That's great. And then you teach your value. You teach what you want to teach regardless. But then the second step into that is looking at it even more positively as an opportunity to teach your value if you can get to that point. So I hope that I'm making sense. But honestly, it used to bother the <laughs> heck out of me when my husband would just give them toys. I, I grew up, see, so here are my rules. 
I grew up with nine brothers and sisters. We didn't have that much money at all. We got things on our birthdays and at Christmas. That is it. Okay, so now I'm married to somebody who his love language is gift giving. It's never going to stop. So I have to take away my, you know, thoughts of wanting to control that behavior, let it happen and have my own rules, but communicate to him what I'm going to do. Okay, you have new toys. We are going to donate a toy or whatever it might be. Okay, but now I look at it as an opportunity and not as a drudgery and not as <laughs> going crazy because that got me nowhere. Nowhere at all. And I, it just caused myself suffering. So number four, what if you identify as a Disneyland dad? What can be done? If you're really good with introspection and you're listening to this and you realize, ah, crap, maybe I'm being the Disneyland dad. What can a parent do with not that much parenting time or, or whatever to prevent coming across this way? There's a few things. One thing is to realize that Disneyland dads, they miss opportunities to help their children grow. In virtue, they also miss the chance to get to know their children in like their ordinary lives. They need to help them with their homework or just chores, to tuck them into bed on a school night, to see them in the every day. And then at the end of the day, what your children need from you is so much more than just gifts and displays and non-discipline. They, they even need more than a friend. Fancy that. Your kids need a parent who will be an educator, a leader, a motivator, a counselor, someone who disciplines them, someone who's consistent. But don't beat yourself up. Okay? If you identify with a few of the def definitions listed above. I think it's okay, you know, to have fun. You want to have fun. But just remind yourself of the importance in your kids' lives that you are as a disciplinary and what they need. Because children need consistency, they need routine, and they need love through discipline. So now I want to give you some fun scenarios. All right, we're going to go through, give you some scenarios and I researched some of uh, some of the experts, so you can have some different voices. But the interesting thing is they all go back to one of the three steps that I mentioned before. So, scenario number one. Here's a problem. Every time your ex has the kids, he gives them all these gifts, these big ticket items that you tend to save for holidays. There's no way you can compete financially so you feel like it's totally lopsided in favor of your ex so there is a psychotherapist and divorce mediator her name is Kate Scharf she's written some cool things and, and seems to know a lot so she just is like the next time the kids come home with a new Nintendo Wii or iPad or, or whatever it is Remind yourself that love cannot be bought. So electronics are to kids what nicotine gum is to a heavy smoker. They offer quick, temporary relief, followed by a craving for the real thing. The next time your child wakes from a nightmare, 
skins his knee, or needs help with a book report, it won't be the latest Apple product he runs to. It won't even be the person who gave it to him. It'll be you. Gosh, isn't that true? I love that so much. So that goes back to my number two. You know, he has his rules. You have your rules. You've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. And that's really hard to just let it be. If you choose to make it easy, that's easier, right? <laughs> Whatever I said. Scenario number two. While you're handling the daily grind of parenting, your uninvolved ex-wife swoops in and whisks the kids off for a ski trip to Aspen. Ah, you think if only she could show up for the occasional parent-teacher conference or soccer game, right? So how do you deal with this? Remember, as hard as it is for you to raise the kids without your ex's help, her absence is even harder on the kids. Be the bigger person. Let them enjoy their time with her. That's it. You let it go. Interesting, right? <laughs> you just let it be. So the next time your ex tries to compensate for poor parenting with like some big major league baseball playoff tickets or or whatever, Sharf says, try really hard not to roll your eyes. Let your kids enjoy whatever time and attention come their way. And then she says, even seeing your sports idol pitch a no-hitter in the World Series cannot compare to having both parents cheering from the bleachers at your little league game. Isn't that so true? That's what kids really want. Okay, here's another scenario. Scenario number three. When your kids are at your ex's house, it's fast food every night, no restrictions on cell phones, and 1 a.m. lights out or whatever. You get so mad every time they brag about what dad let them get away with over the weekend. So how do you deal with this? So there is, her name is Tina Swithin. She's an author of Divorcing a Narcissist. Advice from the Battlefield. of She is a high-conflict divorce coach. Very good book there. But, again, she says not everything in life is in your control. And that includes your ex-house's rules. So she just said, you first need to accept that what happens on the other parent's time is just that. The other parent's time. She said, in my coaching practice, I often share the serenity prayer. Is that funny? And I'm seriously not. <laughs> Before I looked her up and read about her, I honestly had that come to my, my thoughts. But again, she says, ultimately, you have control over your relationship with your children and your own parenting time. Put your energy and focus into being the best parent you can possibly be. Wonderful advice. Interesting. So many of them are like, okay, we can't do much. Okay, scenario number four, you worked hard to establish a daily family rhythm from bedtime rituals to limits on screen time. When the kids return from the land of anything goes, you feel like you need to compensate by doubling down on your house rules. So remember, I alluded to this. And it says, how to deal, resist the urge to play bad cop. This is back to Sharf, the mediator the high divorce or the high conflict divorce mediator. So she just says comments like your father had you for 24 hours. You spent 20 of them online. 
no computer this week. So you cannot let whatever happens there correlate to your house unless you and your co-parent have a great relationship where you can talk and say, hey, I grounded her for this. It's up to you if you want to keep the grounding in force for a few days or whatever, because my ex and I actually do that. So if a rule has been broken, we communicate it and we continue the discipline at the next house if uh, time warrants that. So that works if you have a really good co-parenting relationship. But what she is saying is you don't, you don't punish them for your ex's rules. You don't say, well, those are my rules. No, your rules are at your house. He has different rules. You can't step in and be the bad cop there. Okay, and lastly, here's the scenario. You can't help it. You just can't help it. Knowing that your kids clearly favor your ex gets to you. What do you do, guys? Well, first of all, you know that <laughs> money cannot buy love and that uh, this Disneyland dad type of parenting, it will not last in the long run. And your kids are smart and they're figuring it out and they know. Uh, my daughter came to me and said, I had a friend who came to me and said that she, she like overheard what she was saying about getting in trouble and that we put restrictions on her, you know, and that, that we're just kind of really closely following her. She said that her parents don't care about her, that she has no rules, and that she wished she did. Interesting. She saw it as, I see that they care when they do that. So I truly know that children, they actually want someone who shows up on time to pick them up from practice. They want someone who helps them with their laundry or who takes them to where they need to go, who is a part, like I said before, of their daily lives, who loves them enough to teach them values and disciplines them and just holds their hand along the way when they fall. I mean, there's just that, that can parent them, that takes them to their doctor's appointments, the responsible parent who gets it done. That's what they need. They need those type of virtues. I want to close with what Scharf said because it's really good. She says, The Disneyland dad persona will not withstand the test of time. While it may take a while for children to realize this, they will have more respect in the long run for the healthy parent who is stable, consistent, and loving. Children thrive with consistency and structure. They'll look back with admiration at the parent who was there during the hours of homework, late night fevers, and parent-teacher conferences. Oh, isn't that so true, folks? <laughs> well, I hope that you liked this. I, I hope you liked the information. It is an interesting topic that we could really expound upon. But I just wanted to give you a couple of simple tips Mostly just a tip for yourself. You're doing a great job, okay? Hang in there. Teach them those values that you know are so important. They will get it. They are smart. And they're supposed to go through this right now because they are going through it. That means they're supposed to go through it. We're not going to go back and dwell. Too much time is done with dwelling. Okay, we're done dwelling. Now is the time for doing. 
We only have control of what we have control of, and that is our time with our kids. When they are in our presence in our house, we do the best that we can do. And I know that's what you're doing. So keep your head up and be faithful that what you're doing, your kids are going to turn out just fine. They're going to turn out how they are supposed to, and they'll learn even more life lessons than we can imagine from this experience for their good. I know this. Okay, guys. Well, make it a great day. Make it what you want. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. Come on over and visit me at CoachEmilySanchez.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, make it a great day.